Jewish Latin Princess, episode 125, Lee Yofi, suicide prevention educator and author. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show, everybody. How is everybody doing? I recently said in my newsletter last week, actually, to please feel free to reach out via email or Instagram DM. If you're feeling a bit down or unsettled, it is it is it is hard. It's 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 such a roller coaster. That's what I said uh, in my newsletter. And as I said to my subscribers, if I remember correctly, I was really never a fan of roller coasters. I don't think I am. Um, but I know that they were definitely a little bit more amenable and almost enjoyable. Yeah, really, if I was sitting next to a friend. So this is a roller coaster ride. Every day has its ups and downs every minute, it seems. So if you're feeling like a little nauseous from the whole ride, maybe just reach out. Um, I'm here. I'm happy. I respond to all my DMs. I respond to all my emails. I might get to them a little bit late, not immediately, because sometimes I just tackle them in bulk. But um, trust me that I will respond. So do reach out. And I know that a number of you have reached out and we've been having these conversations and we've been able to talk about some things that are going on in your lives. I'm also going to share some of these important questions um, in an upcoming Ask Yael episode for the benefit of everybody. And speaking of questions, we've been working on such amazing questions and and just some deep money mindset questions at my course Jewish Money Makeover as you might know I launched this uh, last month and this is week three of the course and it's been a pretty awesome experience very very much so so I will definitely do it again I'm so passionate about this I am so thrilled that the women are loving it it's like we're on fire and I will do it again in some shape or form perhaps not exactly the way I did it now, perhaps some of the content I will tweak. Um, I will add more modules. I'm not sure the number of participants might tweak. Also, I have to see what's the best best way to continue adding value. But one thing is for sure, this is here to stay. Um, So if you were curious the first time, but you didn't join and you're still on the fence, go to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash wait list and check one of put in your email and check on check one of the boxes on the waiting list giving me your email i mean giving me your preferred language um, choice because i do want to serve the spanish speaking audience i know a lot of you said that you were very interested in the course but you'd rather take it in spanish um so I want to see what which one I'm doing first, but don't worry, this is here to stay. But I do want people to get on the wait list because those people on the waiting list are really the ones that I will open the course to first because I know you're really interested. And once it fills, it fills. Um, I don't foresee this becoming a massive course for the time being. 
because there's a lot of coaching that is involved in the process. And I want this to continue to be super high touch with me and amongst the members of the group. So I don't foresee this becoming like one of those courses with video and you just like watch it and replays and all that. I want it to still have that high touch feeling. Um, So that's that. So jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash wait list um, to get on the wait list. And that way you'll get first dibs, first scoop on that. I also wanted to acknowledge those of you who have filled out the survey. Yay. Thank you. I'm really glad that I requested it again because there definitely was a big bump in survey entries. I do need a bit more entries to feel like the survey accurately reflects the audience here because we have grown ladies. This podcast has grown tremendously which is a great opportunity for me to welcome any of you who are newer to the show. Um, Really, welcome to the show. There's so much catching up. Um, There's so much great content in here. And some of you indeed have written expressing how glad you were to have discovered the show. Um, And even some of you have even been so kind to leave reviews on iTunes. I'll definitely need to go back to sharing some of those reviews. Uh, Maybe we'll do a little something fun like some gifts for for reviews. We'll work on that after we finish with the survey, but that would be really nice to add a nice thing. I do appreciate those reviews very much and I appreciate all of you for being here and thank you to those who filled out the survey. Um, Thank you so much. So I still do want to give the survey a little bit more time. I know I would probably close it around this time, but The thing is that I'd rather get better data than have to run one of these again in three months. And also, I realized that the truth is that we're not coming. I mean, I'm I'm so impressed that people are writing to me. They're listening to the show because I know for myself, I'm totally behind on my usual shows. I, I know I don't because I'm not commuting. I'm not going. I'm not driving anywhere. I really that was really my podcasting my podcast listening time. Yeah. And that might be the case for a lot of you. So we do need a little bit more time. But if you're here and you haven't filled out that listener survey, please head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash survey and fill it out. It literally takes 30 seconds. And yes, once I close that, I will definitely be raffling off those $10 Amazon gift cards. I'm all about the gifts. So don't worry. It's just for fun to 20 participants. And we certainly have more than 20 participants already, but we need more because as I said, we know from the data um, that thankfully there's a lot of more of you downloading and listening to these episodes. And so I totally thank you for that. So I want to grab a more accurate data that really represents the audience. Now, that was a lot of housekeeping. (laughs) I want to introduce our guest today. But before I do that, I have a freebie for you. Hey, more housekeeping. And that's just because um, a lot of you might be thinking of starting a podcast. And you've asked me in the past, so many of you have asked me in the past about podcasting and you know, what mic I use and what technology and this and that. And I feel that this is a great time for anybody who's really been thinking about this. I, I can't speak enough about how much I love podcasting. I think it comes across. I think you know that. Um, But I do feel like it's also a great time to get a little bit messy and adventurous and start anything that you've been putting off. I mean, if you can't, don't pressure yourself. This is not about like making yourself crazy. I know we have a lot of on our plate. But if podcasting has ever been on your mind, and it's, you know, it's more in the forefront now in any shape or form, I figured... I want you to go grab a free file with all my practical tips to get you started. Like it shouldn't be that you're just wondering what are the steps to get started. Um, so I'm putting it out there for all for anybody who wants. Some of you over the years have asked me and I've given you some of the information. So I just put everything that I you know, 
think that you need to get started so that you have it in one place. It's really quite simple, but sometimes we do need that little extra push of, you know, what's step one, step two, step three, because it's all new and unknown. So, you know, why not? So I just put it together, best tips, practical links, and also, um, yeah, everything in a document just just for you. That way, if you wanting, if you've been wanting to do this, Hopefully this will give you the added push to go do it, as I said. And let me know if you do, because I'd love to support fellow podcast hosts. So where do you find this? Big question. Okay, so head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash podcasting. Okay, jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash podcasting. And you can grab your free download with all the steps to get you started on a podcast. And again, let me know if you do so. Uh, I'll be here to cheer you on. I want to know what which show you launch and I'll be right there to subscribe and support you. Okay, so now to today's guest. As you all may know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I, I have a little confession. I, I'll, I'll tell you straight out that this is an area that I've been meaning to get more informed about, but I haven't. I don't really know that much about it. And I know it's important and I really have been meaning to do it. I've tried to sign up several times to this fantastic all-day workshop that is led by my good friend here in Houston. And she does it for Jewish Family Services, which is an amazing organization. Um, And it's an amazing workshop, but every time that they offer it, some I've had some time conflict and it's a one day thing. So, you know, it just gets pushed off further down in the to do list. And perhaps it's the same for you. So if it is, I think this episode is going to be really helpful. It's going to give you that push to go ahead and take one of the wonderful trainings available either in your community, now virtually or offered by my guest, Lee Yaffe, because we do have a Torah imperative to save lives and getting this education could literally save a life. And even if it doesn't come to that, I really do feel that it is just having this education is such an excellent training in empathy and in communication. And it also creates the space for you to have the conversations um, about the topic of mental health and suicide with your family members and share what you learned. And that way we all start normalizing conversations about normal normal health. So for all the, those reasons and probably many more, I think this is important. So this is why I'm thrilled to bring back a former guest on the show who you may remember if you've been here for a while, for a very long time, because she was here a long time ago, like, I don't know, I think almost 100 episodes ago, I think it was like in the early 30s, guys. And back then, we didn't talk about mental health, Lee and I, but it's such a good episode. So head over to the website or to iTunes and find it. I want to say it's episode 33. Forgive me, I'm not 100% sure. It's one of my favorites of those early days of the show. It really is an amazing show. It's such an impressive show. I remember she was then and perhaps still is the youngest guest on this show. She is a published author. She's a suicide prevention educator. She's a mental health advocate and the creative director of C-Teen and the creator of the Gesher Project. And she's back with us. Today, we really dive into the topic of mental health. This is a phenomenal episode. You will enjoy, you will absorb, like you'll really get so much from every word of it. And before I bring her on, I do want to mention that Lee is running a 60-minute workshop that focuses on mental health and suicide awareness in light of COVID-19. It's titled, If You See Something, Say Something. And if you're interested in that, 
or if you're interested in scheduling a workshop for your community, head over to gesherproject.com forward slash forward slash safe talk. Again, that is gesherproject.com forward slash safe talk. I'm going to say all that at the end of the show and I'm going to put it on the website, etc. So without further ado, here's Lee Yuffie. Yaffe, welcome back to Jewish Latin Princess. How are you? Thank you. I'm so happy to be back. I'm good. Thank God. You were my guest. Holding up. <laughs> How are you? Doing I know. That? Quarantine. What are we? Week eight? Yeah, something like that. Who's I counting? <laughs> you know, I don't know if you realize, but you were my guest here back in episode 32. That was a while ago. Ladies, we're like in episode 100. I think it's 125. Like, that crazy? Yeah, that was almost three years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yep, yep. Wow. Right at the beginning, you had just published your first book, Shattered Illusions, yes. which we talked about then. You, we talked about your role as creative director of C-Teens, which you're still very involved with. And you're the founder, of mm-hmm. course, of an online platform called The Gesher Project. And I knew you'd be back, Lee. I knew it. But what I didn't expect then was that you'd be back to talk to us about mental health. And this Mm. is a topic that is very, very important. It happens to be that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So this conversation is super timely. And to be very honest, it's a topic that I'm a little bit in the dark about. I've been meaning to take trainings and it just doesn't end up making it on the calendar. And I think you're really going to give me the impetus and you're going to give us a lot of content um, here that we really have to learn. I know you're a Safe Talks trainer and I've been watching carefully the work that you're doing with teens all over the country regarding suicide prevention. And I should mention, of course, that now you're married and you're a mother of a gorgeous baby. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. How's that for a lot of change in just three years? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can say that again. And we moved across the country in the middle of all that, too. So, Oh, right. Were you in California? No, where, were, where are you now? We were, we were in California right before we, like, right, I was in California right before we got married. And then we got married and moved to Philly. My husband was in school out here. So we mm-hmm. packed up and moved everything to the East Coast. And we've been here ever since. Wow. Oh, your parents must be missing you. Yeah. And especially now with the quarantine, like, you know, we're counting down the days until we can see each other and who knows it's going to be but but we've been making it out often enough but you know (laughs) day by day day by day so so Lee before we get to the why and how you ended up in your role with Safe Talks tell us exactly what is Safe Talks okay so Safe Talk is a method of suicide prevention it's a course Mm -hmm. um, that teaches participants how to recognize signs of suicide, how to engage with someone who's experiencing thoughts of suicide, and how to help them get to a mental health professional who can keep them safe for longer. So Safe Talk Mm -hmm. stands for two things. The safe stands for suicide alertness for everyone. And the gist of that is that everybody can prevent a suicide, and that we should all have the tools and that we don't have to leave it up to someone else to play a role in saving a life. Uh Um, And then talk stands for the four steps that you do when you recognize that someone is struggling. So how do you recognize when they're telling you that they need help? How do you ask them in a clear and direct way if what they need help with is connected to suicide? Mm -hmm. How to listen to them empathetically? 
and without judgment and without making the listening autobiographical. Mm-hmm. And then how do you find someone who can keep them safe for longer? So the, the, the premise of the workshop is not to instill skills on the participants that make them the only person who can help, but rather creates a network for them to recognize that they play one piece in a much larger role of helping people. Wow. Wow. This is really deep stuff. And this is geared towards teenagers. So the workshop itself, um, is geared towards everyone. It happens to be that in, in my particular role, it has turned out to be that the groups I reach out to most often or that I work with most often are groups with um, a large teenage base. But I have done workshops for adults only. I've done workshops for um, parents of teenagers. I've done workshops for mental health professionals. Um, it's really for everyone who's curious about what suicide prevention is. And really also debunking the myths around why, you know, why we do or don't engage with people when we think they might need help. Hmm. Why, why don't we? What, 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 what is it that holds us back? Is it because we don't know how to process that information? It's a, it's a few things, actually. Um, first and foremost, it takes a lot of responsibility and, and vulnerability and, so to speak, chutzpah mm-hmm. to engage with someone and ask them about something so personal mm-hmm. and and difficult, right? Mental health is a difficult thing to talk about. It's, you know, shrouded in a lot of stigma. There's a lot of shame associated. And so we as people who, you know, we, when we recognize that someone might need help, the things that usually go through our heads are, I can't take responsibility for this because if something goes wrong, it'll be on me. Mm. Um, maybe there's somebody already, somebody else already helping this person. And so they don't need my help. Right. Or me. Maybe it's not theory, um, you know, someone else will do it. And then the truth is also like, we're also all dealing with our own things, mm-hmm. right? And so it's about learning the balance of how to help someone so that you're, you're assisting them and helping themselves and not to the point where you're becoming the person who's holding all the weight mm-hmm. in, in helping, because that's when it can become detrimental to the helper and the person who's being helped. Mm-hmm. is when we feel that it, the only way we can help, help is if we own this 150%. And that's not true. Right. Right. We're not, we're not expected to do things alone and we shouldn't have to do things alone. But I think uh, when it comes to things as serious as mental health, especially suicide, that's when we go into the mode of, I don't think I can do this. And like, you know, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. We second guess ourselves and we, you know, we kind of create the story of this is not my role to play. Right, right. And a big part of it is, is the fact that we might not even know how to recognize the signs, which is where your training comes in. So, Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's what the four steps that you mentioned were all about, right? So what is it that we, what is it that we're, what are those signs that we kind of, if we gain that sensitivity, we're going to have that awareness or we're going to be, yeah, they're going to be become clearer for us because I don't think they always are. Right. And I'll, st- I'll, I'll answer by saying this. I think what it comes down to in general is having a kind of maybe taking our blinders off mm. and not assuming that, you know, we assume when we see people in our lives that we know that they have it all together or that they're not struggling with everything or that anything or that everything is going well for them. I think the first 
piece of recognizing when someone needs help is taking off the blinders and recognizing that everyone is human and there are vulnerabilities that everyone's experiencing. That's the first layer, I think. The second layer is the science. So what happens is, you know, and I'm using this example as some from the perspective of someone who previously, up until this point in their lives, has been pretty even temperament, um, has a lot of friends or a, a core group of friends, say, does well academically, has good relationships, things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things start to go they start to maybe fall apart for them. And you start to notice these patterns of behavior that are not typical for the person. So isolating from their friends and family, Mm -hmm. um, cutting off relationships that are, that they were, that were healthy or that were close, that were important to them. Um, not showing up for the important things in their lives. Mm. So not giving as much effort as they could at work. Um, you know, not showing up to class. Um, skipping out on things that were of importance to them. And then you have the less obvious things. They start to engage in reckless behavior, things that they wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they can get very depressed and isolate themselves, stop sleeping or only sleep, you know, do nothing but sleep. Um, some of, you know, some people stop eating. And, and the truth of the matter is, is there's not one characteristic for someone who's struggling with suicide that you can say there pinpointed it that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is but it's about looking at recognizing when things might be off mm-hmm. in the context of knowing that what's off, like what's happening is not something that usually happens for that person so and then there's a less obvious thing um one that i've heard very often from people who are survivors of suicide attempts is they gave a lot of their stuff away they started giving away things or they wrote letters to everybody that they loved and, you know, made gestures of goodbye that wow. seemed a little bit um, extravagant to other people. Um, you also have, you know, say someone who's pretty even tempered and not necessarily the happiest or most excited person in the world. Mm-hmm. And they suddenly become euphoric and they are just like in love and feeling ecstasy in life. And for people who experience that when suicide is, is connected the reason for that is because they feel that they've come to terms with their decision. Oh and gosh. so now they can just enjoy whatever time they have left. Um, but it's really about recognizing that when people need help, especially with something like this, mm-hmm. they're not going to outright say, Hey, I'm struggling with suicide. Please help me because that's covered in shame. And, and what if you say no? And what if you lash out at them? So they give us signs, they give us hints, they show us in this way that they're kind of like flagging us down that they need help. Mm-hmm. So we, we let's say we see the signs. And like you said before, we're just one piece in the puzzle. So if we're teaching this to teenagers, which this mm-hmm. would be such an overwhelming thing. Um, what is the next step of empowerment for a teen? Um, you've recognized the signs in a, in a friend. Now, mm-hmm. what do you do with that? Right. It's interesting that you say about it, you know, being a difficult, it is a very hard spot for teenagers to be in. However, I also find that they are the most eager to learn the tools and use them as quickly as possible because they recognize that so many of their friends need help. Wow. Um, but when it comes to the steps, the next step is to get 
period and have a clear and direct conversation with the person about the signs that you've recognized. So let's say there's two people talking, right? You're not going to out of the blue say, hey, are you thinking about killing yourself? That's like sounds insane. And you're also you're, you're not preempting it with the behavior that you noticed. So in the context of two teenagers, if one person is, you know, giving these signs and their friend recognizes it in the context of the conversation, they would say something like, hey, you know, I noticed that you're not showing up for classes often. You know, when we invite you out, you're not as eager to come out as you used to be. I noticed that you're fighting with your siblings a lot. And I know that you're going through a hard time, say, with, you know, you didn't get into the college that you wanted to. And and I'm, I'm really concerned about you and I'm, I'm here for you and I, and I want to help you. Mm. And to be honest, the things that I'm seeing in your behavior make me think that you might be thinking about killing yourself. Now, it's really important to use the word suicide in the sentence if you can or to be as direct as possible in saying something like, are you thinking about ending your life? Are you thinking about killing yourself? Wow. You don't want to say things like, oh, you're not thinking about killing yourself, are you? Because if you say something like that, then if the person is, you've just showed them that you're judging them mm-hmm. and that like, if they are, you kind of don't want to know about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also a difference between saying killing yourself and harming yourself because there are people who self-harm who are not thinking about killing themselves. And that's, you know, a whole nother topic on the discussion mental health, which we won't go into now, but it's, you know, Brene Brown, who's a researcher and social worker who I'm obsessed with, mm, often yeah, says that clear. <laughs> is- oh, my God, I'm in love with this woman. I, I, you know, and so when she she says a lot that, that clear is kind, having a clear co- conversation with someone and saying mean and being honest mm-hmm. is kind. Right. If you skirt around the issue, you're not going to get anywhere. And so being direct and asking directly and being open to whatever they're going to say, that's the key to opening the door to get them to, to speak. Wow. Wow. This is really, really important stuff. Really important stuff. I loved what you mentioned before about teenagers, um, the big however that you gave me, that teens are are more eager to help. And, 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 and that just made me smile. It just gives me this faith on the, in, in, in the, the power of the youth, you know, of being mm-hmm. that, 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 that lack of judgment and that that just that genuine empathy that comes sometimes with being younger and uh, and and being able to relate to somebody else's struggle without all the layers that we put on as we get older um so so let's let's go there talk to me about the feedback that you're getting from the teens and the things that you're learning as you're on the field with them having these conversations and training them on this stuff so these conversations with teenagers specifically started way, way before I became a certified suicide prevention trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, these conversations were happening over the course of many years, which was the reason I decided to become certified to educate. Um, you know, in my capacity as the creative director at C-Teen and running the C-Teen Connection magazine where um, the teens is a teen-led magazine that I'm the editor-in-chief of. Mm-hmm. And for years, for years, the groups of teens that I've worked with, not themselves, but more out of curiosity, they want, want to know, 
How, what's the Torah's approach to mental health? What's mm-hmm. Judaism's approach to suicide? How do I know how to help someone? Is it the right thing to do? Should I stay out of it? And these conversations happened in the context of much larger, bigger conversations that I would have with them as individuals and in groups. But what kept coming back was they recognized that people in their life were struggling and they wanted to do something about it and they weren't going to wait for someone else. And so in the context of the workshops itself, the feedback that I've gotten most often is this is a very scary thing. Um, Engaging with someone who you think is suicidal takes a lot of guts and sometimes a lot of chutzpah. And asking the question is, is very difficult. And I myself have intervened on at least 15 or 20 suicide attempts in the last two years. And every time I've asked the question, I'm shaking by the end. But what I've found with the teams is that they, they want, they're hungry for ways to make a difference in the world. And this is one piece of a much larger puzzle of how they're going to do that. And I think that it, it speaks to what you said about how they, they have something about them that is just, I mean, it's divine to see how, how they just have their hands open to the world and they're so ready and willing to make a difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. So let's say we've, we've had this conversation, we're shaking, like you said. And now, now what do I do? My friend is, is, is in fact, uh, I've, I've approached it, I've said all the right things, and she's been open or he's been open. And now what is my next step? as as uh, within my role as 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 an aid here or as a piece of this puzzle so the first thing i would say is if someone does admit to you that they're thinking of suicide it's really important not to jump straight into talking or asking them questions or you know trying to understand why or trying to explain to them that their life is worth living they're Mm -hmm. not going to hear you Mm -hmm. they're not they just they're not listening <laughs> um, because that's coming at them from a place of solving the problem. And in most cases, they really don't need the problem solved. They just want someone to hear them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, for someone who's struggling with thoughts of suicide, they are walking around with so much pain. It's almost like there are, you know, I, I use this analogy sometimes with like there are a house that's on fire. And it's smoldering and burning and burning and burning. And really what you're doing when you ask them if they're thinking about suicide is turning on the hose and handing it to them. Um, And so what's really important in the next step is to listen, to be physically and emotionally present with them, and to let them speak if they want to about what they're dealing with. Sometimes people don't feel comfortable opening up. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of pry them, you know, we, we push at them and try to get them to open and, and the more we poke at them, the more they're going to shut down. Um, it's really important in this step to be comfortable with silence, to not, you know, if they, if they don't want to talk and they just want to sit with what they're feeling. For most people who are struggling with thoughts of suicide, they've never said the word out loud to someone that they love or trust, or they, ha- or they have said the word, they have admitted it to someone and they've been turned away. So to know that you're there for them mm-hmm. to listen and hold space for them is the most important thing. It's not the time to give them advice. Um, you know, I, a, a, a teenager in one of the workshops that I gave came over to me and told me that a friend of hers had confided in her that she was thinking of suicide. And when she asked her, 
in the context of the conversation, she asked her, you know, have you have, am I the only person you've spoken to about this? And she said, no, I told my parents and they told me to sign up for a yoga class. Um, because we're so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable to just sit with someone and let them be in their pain. And so we try to find solutions Mm -hmm. to a quick fix to the problem. There is time and there is definitely space to aid the person with advice if they want it, but not in the moment when they've just admitted to you that they're thinking about killing themselves. You know, the important thing to say is, you know, I know this is really heavy and I'm so happy you told me and I really don't know what to say. And I'm, I'm here, I'm sitting and listening, you know, please tell me what's going on. I'm, I'm here to listen and listen and really listen <laughs> and don't, you know, try to prescribe your expectations of how to solve the problem on them. Wow. It's going back to that lost art of communication. Eh? <laughs> My gosh. But I think we also just, we're, yeah, we, we like, we're, we're problem solvers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's more comfortable, right? It's more comfortable. Because um, when we're sitting in that space of listening, we're really allowing ourselves to feel what the other person is feeling. Whereas if we jump with answers and solutions, we've just, we, we're not feeling that anymore. We're just feeling what we're feeling, Right. And I think that speaks also to, you know, what where we are right now as a global community with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, people that we, people in my community who I know and love have lost family members to this illness and have themselves been fighting this illness. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy when they say, you know, this is going on and that's going on and I'm in pain to say, why don't you take a walk? Or, you know, have you napped today? Or are you drinking water Mm. Not the time. <laughs> you can figure out how to build that into the conversation, um, you know, but if someone is willing and ready to open up to you, it's important to just step back, like take a seat and, and be comfortable with listening. Wow, this is such an important reminder, because I think we're all guilty. I mean, I could say I'm guilty of doing that, right? Um, I am. It's, it's, it's very... I'm probably, I'm probably the guiltiest. <laughs> probably what I'm probably the guiltiest when it comes to <laughs> so now now that okay so we have the situation and somebody's opened up to us and we are here to listen and what I want to ask is and I guess this is probably part of the training tell me um, where's the there, there is something to be said for boundaries like, for example, let's see, I ha- let's, let's say I have a teenager and he has, he has, his friend has confided or her friend, whatever, that this is going on and they're doing a really good job of being there for them. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. this can be really heavy and the texts and the conversations can be emotionally draining. Um, so how do we balance the fact that we have to be there for the person and we have to listen? Um, and that's an important part of the process with the fact that we also have to take care of our mental health. How does that boundary drawn? Mm, this is this is probably, I think, the hardest part of, of, especially with teenagers, of trying to help them understand that the most important thing that they can do 
for the sake of the relationship that they're in with someone who's suicidal is have boundaries. Mm -hmm. Especially because teenagers today are used to solving each other's problems for that, for each other, Mm -hmm. right? Social media, all you need to do is post a, a quiz on Instagram when you have 40 of your closest friends giving you feedback and advice on what you should be, you know, doing with your day or week or whatever. Right. Um, and, and they get so invested in helping that they forget that they also have to help themselves. You know, it's like what they say on an airline, put your mask on before assisting other passengers. Right. If you're not in a place where you're upholding boundaries and where you're recognizing when it's time for you to get more help involved in what you're capable of, then, then that's when the problems start. I, I'll give you, I can actually give you, I mean, dozens of examples like this. Um, there was a student who attended the training that I did and she texted me afterwards and said, you know, this friend of mine who's, who's thinking about, you know, she's suicidal. We've gone through all the steps. We've done everything. And once a week, she'll text me and say, tonight's the night I'm going to do it. And how do I, what do I do? Like, how do I handle this? I'm like, listen, you can, you know, cause That's what was scary. happening it's very, it's, first of all, it's very scary. Second of all, it puts responsibility on the person who's the helper. For sure. And, and you have to know, now this is a very hard thing for people to wrap their head around. So I'm going to tread into this very lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to know when it's time to involve professional help and step a little bit away from the situation. Not that you completely disengage in the situation, but in this case, I told, I told the girl and I, and I actually, um, got, it was me, the girl and another safe talk trainer that I work with. We got on the phone, the three of us together mm-hmm. and we came up with this plan of you need to, they were, they were physically together, the girl and her friend at the time, call the national suicide hotline, come up with a plan with the friend together mm-hmm. and, and find another adult that this girl trusts that can be part of the plan. So it's not only on the teenager. And it ended up being that the person that they chose was me so I became the third party in this piece mm-hmm. so that when the girl who was struggling with active suicide was having these moments of she needs to text her friends to tell them that she thinks she's going to kill herself tonight mm-hmm. that instead she reverts that and comes to me and we can re- remind her of the safety plan that they came up with for teenagers boundaries are a big issue I think what it comes back to Two, though, is recognizing that they can ask for help from other people and that they don't have to do it by themselves. And once they recognize that it's not all on them mm-hmm. and that there are other people who can help them and should be helping them, and that could be a crisis worker on the other line in the National Suicide Hotline, that could be a parent or a guardian that they trust. It could be a mobile crisis center or a rabbi or a rebison or a teacher it, there's a there's other able-bodied people who can help mm-hmm. and that part of creating boundaries is recognizing that you cannot do it all alone and finding those networks to connect with. Have you been wanting to add meditation into your life? some practical tools to be less reactive and more mindfully responsive as you go about your busy day, 
So have I. Thanks to many guests on my show, I've learned a lot about meditation and mindfulness, but the hard part is to get me to do it. Well, I'm finally doing it and I'm loving it. I joined Dr. Azriela Jankovic's Circle of Insight, and now you can try it out too for free. So if you want to incorporate meditation into your life because you recognize that it is important to restore your inner calm, head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash circle to join your free trial of Dr. Assi's Circle of Insight. Your first session of the Circle of Insight is completely free and you will gain a tremendous amount from it. So check it out at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash circle. And hey, I might see you in there. It's my weekly self-care treat and I'm loving it. jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash circle. See if I understand here. So, so is part of the process is helping the person who's struggling with suicide to mm-hmm. get them get them to buy into a a process or a structure of help or what did you call it before? Meaning, get them to be ready to when something like this has happened to be on the line with you and the hotline or the professional or that so this is part we need to get them to buy into that right right so the way i would put it is actually this the the road to the decision is in their hands right every single person has the the choice and the responsibility of deciding for themselves which way they're going to steer the car right Mm -hmm. for someone who's struggling with thoughts of suicide if you're the helper if you're the friend who's recognizing you're in the drive, you're in the passenger seat, and you're helping them decide where they're going to go next. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you're helping them be part of the process and deciding that they want help. Now, it's really, really important for me to stress something here, which is that people who are struggling with suicide are 99% of the time ambiguous about the decision to kill themselves. They're in mm-hmm. an immense amount of pain. They've, they've created a tunnel vision where all they see is the pain they're in. Mm -hmm. And we all know what that feels like to be in so much pain and to feel so much chaos. And I said this to a friend yesterday that your brain feels claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. You can't think about anything else. And so they don't know, they don't recognize that the decision to help themselves is actually in their hands. No one is going to save them. Everyone is going to be a partner in them helping them save themselves. Mm -hmm. And so in the, in the process of getting of helping them decide that they want help, it goes something like this. You know, if I'm the person who's helping, I could say something like, you know, everything that you've told me makes me like, thank you so much for sharing everything that you're going through. And I'm, I can't even imagine how much pain you're in and, you know, being emotionally available to them and also saying something along the lines of, I think we need more help to make sure that you stay safe. Not, I think you need more help. We. I think we need more help in keeping you safe and providing them with options. Not, you know, we jump to the, who do you think we could ask that would help you stay safe? And their response would be, no one else in my life will make me feel safe. That's why I came to you. Right. And then it goes back to the, you're in this alone. If you say something like, we're in this together, we need more help to keep you safe. Let's pick someone together that we can go to. And that can be a hotline. That can be a teacher that we trust. That could be a rebison or a rabbi. That could be a parent. You know, And sometimes teens don't want to go to their parents because mm-hmm. 
they're scared that the parent is going to be flustered and, you know, a little terrified. That being said, if it's a matter of life or death and the person has an active plan and the means to kill themselves, this is the moment where, where things shift and the person who's the helper has to make a quick decision on their own. Right. So if that's, if it's, if the person has, you know, if the person ha- is standing on a subway platform, you're not going to ask them who you want to call. You're going to mm-hmm. call them mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. It's when the conversation is still in a place where you can um, help them choose together that it's important to have them play a role in who they're going to reach out to. This is really, really brilliant. And I mean, just just the fact that you explained it like that just just opened my eyes to how big our role is and how important it is to understand the language of being able to help. Um, so it's again, we talked about the signs, recognizing the signs, we talked about the listening. But this, this very, this language is actually critical, it can make the, uh, an a world of difference, not just for the person receiving the help, but also like we said, talked before about preserving your own health um, and still mm-hmm. being a, an active role, an active participant and a helper and keeping your role. Um, so I, I think that's, that is so important for everyone to learn. Now, when you do these trainings, how long, how, how, how long is the tra- How does it work? Basically? So up until the pandemic hit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was traveling, across the country and teaching them in groups of 30 people at a time. Uh The workshop ranges from about three and a half to four hours and it's broken up over the course of the day into one and a half hour block. Mm -hmm. Um, And had the pandemic not hit, I would have been coming back from Miami this week. Mm -hmm. Um, But what happened was this. And, and, you know, I've, I've found a lot of people ask me like, don't you think three and a half hours is a little bit long to be conducting a workshop? And usually what happens is that for the first 15 minutes, people are kind of looking at me like, okay, why am I here? And what am I going to learn from this? And then once we start digging into the context of relationships and communication, that's when they're all like, oh, okay, I get it now. Mm. That being said, shifting into a coronavirus world where we're all on Zoom, two things, two, um, two not roadblocks, two opportunities came up that helped me shift my perspective into where we are in terms of suicide prevention. So Safe Talk is an organization that's developed, is a program that's developed by an organization that I am a trainer of. Um, the policy of the organization is that we can't conduct workshops online for, this, for, for the reason being that you can really increase the safety of the people in the room only when you're physically in the room with them. Mm -hmm. That being said, though, now is the time when people need help more than ever before. People who were struggling with thoughts of suicide before the pandemic hit, their thoughts have increased and the suicide rate has gone up. And for people who were not thinking of suicide before, we have people who are losing their jobs, um, losing their livelihood, losing family members, everything's in disarray. And so mental health is a, is a lot. And so um, I, oh, I, I should mention this, that the, the only reason I was able to offer this program nationally was because I was working with a nonprofit that was making it available to every community that we were going into. Mm-hmm. So I reached back out to the nonprofit and I said, listen, this is where we're at in terms of how we can help people. What are we going to do? And the answer, the response that we came up to was to create our own course, um, which is 60 to 90 minutes long, 
on the discussion of mental health and suicide prevention for the COVID-19 age. Mm -hmm. And how can you do all of these steps, considering that we're not meeting face-to-face and you're not necessarily seeing body language or facial expressions the same way, even on Zoom, as you would when you're with the person physically. And so how do you adapt helping people and communicating with people for this new age? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's where we're at now is, is um, offering this to communities who are definitely struggling with this, but... I can't exactly get on a plane and, you know, go to Miami or go to Denver or go to Cape Town to, to, um, facilitate a, you know, but it's, but at the same time, it's very necessary and needed probably now more than ever. Yeah. And I even think, you know, it's interesting because you did say at the beginning that, that you can't increase the safety of a person unless you're physically with them. And, but now as you're seeing the need for this and that, we have to do it virtually that that's the bottom line. There is something to be said for the fact that if a person is interacting with uh, somebody who's struggling with this, even in the non COVID-19 world, there there's there's a high likelihood that a lot of that interaction, especially among teens is going to be virtually It's going to be via text. Um, mm-hmm. so Text, these, FaceTime, Instagram. Yeah. So these skill sets are completely trans translatable. Is that even a word? Um, translate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I'm trying to say is I think it all come plays very, very well together and it's going to be very helpful yeah. no matter what. A hundred percent. And I think what, what was interesting for me also is when I got involved in this originally, and this is going back almost five years, mm-hmm. um, from the first intervention, the first intervention that I did hands on was five years ago. And then after that, and that was in person face to face. And then the three interventions that happened after that were all over text. Uh, and uh. as they were happening, I was like, there's no way that I can actually help this person without being in the room with them. Wow. And then I realized something in a way and this is not for every person. This is not for every scenario, but in the situations I was in, I found that I was able to increase their safety in a very unique way because teenagers have a hard time talking face to face. Yeah. They are a lot more comfortable texting or talking on FaceTime or, or, you know, using social media. And so they opened up to me in ways that helped me help them better than if I would have been with them in person. Interesting. You see? Wow. This is powerful stuff. And by the way, and this is going back before you were even a certified trainer, right? Yeah, I the first intervention that I did, I had no tools to do it. I didn't know anything about suicide prevention. I had like a little, you know, like a little sprinkle of mental health awareness from like all of the psychology classes I took in college, but Mm -hmm. nothing hands on and definitely no tools or skills to be able to at least not that I thought I was capable of, of handling it. And it happened to be that at the, at the, the occasion where this person opened up to me, there happened to be someone else at this occasion that had a background in suicide prevention. Um, they are, it was a, a, a campus rabbi who had learned these skills from living it and dealing with his students who were coming to his Chabad house who were mm. struggling with suicide he noticed that I was having a conversation with this person and that the conversation looked very intense and very emotionally driven. And so when the conversation ended and I walked away in kind of a daze, he came over to me and he was like, that looked like that was really serious. Can I help you with something? 
mind you, I didn't know this person at all. Wow. Talk about um, divine providence. And I was like, yeah, this person just told me that they, that they're thinking about killing themselves. And like, what, why me? Like, I don't know how to deal with this. And this, this shliach, literally, he was a shliach from Hashem. Wow. <laughs> it just, it was unbelievable. And, and he was the one who turned me towards um, the DD Hel- Hirsch Mental Health Services in LA, which is where I got the first level of training. And it opened the door to be able to recognize that I didn't have to be a mental health professional to play a role in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it, it really, you know, it, it shifted my awareness of what, of what people are capable of, regardless of whether or not they think they're capable of it. Lee, in today's day and age, would you say that we all need to be taking these trainings? That bottom line, we all should attend, whether it's with Safe Talk or with whatever, you know, through the federation or local federation, whatever the case may be. Yes. And the reason I say yes is because workshops about mental health, workshops about suicide, workshops about all of all of these issues are workshops about communication. Mm-hmm. They are workshops about vulnerability. They are workshops about what it means to support each other and to be there for one another. And forgive me for saying this, but I do think that all of those things are an art that has been lost on us in recent years. Um, we've stopped paying attention to other people. We aren't meeting as often face to face. You know, there's people in my life who I love and adore very much. And the only reason I know what's going on with them is through their Instagram stories. And only now in the last nine weeks of the pandemic, did I slow down and say, hey, when was the last person I call- time I called that person or texted mm-hmm. them or mm-hmm. whatever? All of these workshops and it's safe talk, it's assist, it's mental health first aid. It's if you see something, say something. It's all of these different types of workshops that offer different skills that are really offering. They're all offering the same thing, right. which is learning how to be part of the global society and the fabric of society and helping one another regardless of whether or not life or death is present right right amazing so so just to encourage everybody to pencil it in on your calendars um there are so many resources and obviously now we're in a virtual you know world situation so and and some of us have a little bit more free time so perhaps it is the time to really um look up one of these um seminars or workshops and and sign up because I think it can only help you it can only enhance your relationships it doesn't have to be I'm doing this because I am going to encounter this very challenging situation in my life no it's actually something that's going to benefit you in so many beautiful ways I think it also builds that sense of empathy and 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 that the desire again to connect to other humans just because we're human and we want connection naturally and, and we shouldn't have to do all of this alone. And I think that being, you know, participating in workshops like these give you the sense of, oh, there are other people in the world who are in this with me and I'm right. not alone. Right. Um, you know, I often tell people who participate in the workshops that my biggest hope for them is that they never have to use these skills. You know, my, <laughs> I'll talk when I, I'll talk to my mom about the workshop sometimes and she said, I'm giving you a bracha that you don't have to do this anymore, mm-hmm. that we get to a point where these kinds of workshops are not necessary. And these kinds of conversations are so ingrained into the fabric of our day to day that we don't need them anymore. Mm. Um, 
But on the one-off chance that you end up needing it, it's like CPR. You hope you never have to, you know, pull someone out of the water and start performing CPR. But then when you do, you're really glad you have the skill. Right, 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 right. And so on that note, what could we all be doing better as a society to help us with mental health? I know we we're not really, and I, I'm, 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 turning the conversation there, even though if we're in a situation where somebody's coming to us, we're not like you said at the beginning, we're not here to give offer solutions. That's, that's not what we want to do. We want to be there to to listen, but speaking for ourselves, and especially now that we're in this situation, and and mental health is really one of the things that uh, is, you know, it's it's, it's very present, it's very real. What could we Mm -hmm. be doing? I know it's a big topic, but what are some things that that um, we should try to be uh, more habitual about or we should try to really incorporate into our life that could be really, that you feel or you've seen are really, really helpful to keep us a little bit more, wow, uh, balanced. Mm. Okay, so mental health wellness is different for every person Mm. and real self-care, not, you know, the the self-care has become kind of a buzzword recently, you know, go for a shopping spree, get your nails done. I love all of those things. I would do those things. Like I'm, you know, counting down the seconds until I can shop in a physical store and get a manicure. But um, it really comes down to getting really comfortable with knowing what it is that works for you and then doing it. Mm. So the thing that I suggest to everyone, and I actually did this in a, this is not part of the workshop normally but I was in a workshop with mostly teenagers and some of their parents and a teen raised his hand and was like listen this is great but like how do we take care of ourselves when we're done talking to someone you know we the conversation ends or we come to a solution and we get them the help they need like that's really heavy what do you do next yeah great question exactly thing that I yeah and the thing that I told him applies here as well think about the things that work for you to mm-hmm. self-soothe. Yeah. So I happen to have a list on my phone and I keep a printed out copy in my office on my wall and I have one in the fridge in the kitchen mm-hmm. because sometimes when you're in a, a rut or an emotionally kind of like an upheaval or an intense moment or you're feeling anxious, it's really hard to remember what works for you mm-hmm. when you're in that moment where you need the help. Mm-hmm. And so writing it down and, you know, I can, mine is kind of, it's, it's like I wrote it in, in like almost like a silly way of like feeling stressed, fear not. Here are the things you can do to calm yourself down. <laughs> and I just lit, I sat down and I was like, what are things that I know really work for me? Like actually turning my phone off yeah, so that I'm not distracted, um, putting on calming music or sometimes no music and reading the mood. Do I need music or do I not? Going for a walk. Um, baking <laughs> mm-hmm. is a good one. You know, maybe sometimes it's picking one person that I feel safe talking to and talking to them. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to a podcast, taking a bath, taking a nap, doing some yoga. Maybe it's screaming into a pillow for some people. Maybe mm-hmm. it's going outside and punching a punching bag. Maybe it's dancing or you know, the important is to make the things productive and healthy. I love this. You know, if the self-care thing you need in that moment is to eat, make sure you're eating nurturing food and not a bag full of chips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's actually a, an acronym that I've been using recently. Um, Diana Edelman, who's a child and family psychologist, um, uses this acronym in um, in teaching parents of newborns how to how to work with their newborns, which is why I am familiar with this acronym. <laughs> um, but it's called the GIFT. So G is for go. In- incorporate healthy movement into your into your into the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I is inhale. Make sure you're breathing. You know, deep belly breaths, not not thoracic breaths that come from the chest where you're giving, you know, you're hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. F is for food. Make sure you're eating something nourishing. And T is for touch. And mm-hmm. it's really hard to not be able to touch the people we love right now because we're all either in isolation or very distant from each other. But you can, you know, rub your rub your wrists together, rub your ankles, give yourself a hug. It seems silly until you do it. But sometimes just the gesture of putting your hands, crisscrossing your hands and putting them on your shoulders and just holding your arms like that in place for a few minutes and taking some deep breaths are can make a world of a difference because physical touch helps regulate the nervous system. Mm-hmm. So again, all of these things are going to be different for every person. Um, I think it is really important to know what works for you and to get curious about wor- what works for you if you've never tried these before. I love this answer because first of all, it's very true. It is very individual, but I love how you put it like make yourself a list. And, and, and the reason I like that is because first of all, it helps you forces you to an, identify what it is that really nourishes you. And also not always like, mm-hmm. for example, for me, one of them is reading, like just diving into a good book. That is like my safe spot where like my mind, I just like mm-hmm. everything melts away, right? But not always do I have that book, right? And one of the other ones is dancing, but not always do I have that great dance class available, right? So there are right, other right. things for me that also do it, a walk, and that is a lot more accessible. So just for me to know what these things are and have them very present, and I can pull from that toolbox of things that really nourish mm-hmm. me me and can get me into a calmer place. I love yeah. that. And the thing that I'll say for people who aren't really familiar with the idea of, of getting comfortable with knowing yourself and that level of self-care is two things. One, do the best you can with the tools you have mm-hmm. and don't expect yourself to come up with like grandiose, <laughs> amazing things that were going to change your life. Because that's what it was like for me when I first started doing these things. It was like, I'm going to, you know, paint a painting and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then I was like, wait a second. What about just lying on my bed for 30 seconds? <laughs> Deep you know, breathing. So exactly. Use, exactly. Use the tools you have. And, and as you increase in using these tools, your tools will change. They'll become sharper. You'll, you'll know which ones work for you and which ones don't. And it's, you know, it's just really important to recognize that, um, that meet yourself where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's how you learn what works for you. Yeah. Don't try to say, I, if I pick tools that are not part of my tool belt, I'll be, you know, I'll become healthier and faster and slimmer. And no, choose what works for you, <laughs> for where you are right now in your life with the intention of these things that I'm using in my life right now will help me get to a place where I can sit and meditate for 30 minutes. Right, 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 right. It's like for some people, a very calm yoga class, you know, does it for them. And then for others... It has to be a high impact, you know, Bikram yoga type of thing or spinning oh, yeah. class or dancing class, right? I would be <laughs> one of those. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I fluctuate between all of those. 
<laughs> and it's so interesting how, like, especially now being at home, right? All the classes are online. So when I wake up in the morning, it's like, hmm, do I want like a gentle yoga stretch or do I want to wake my whole family up with, with Zumba? And it's like, okay, <laughs> you gotta, you know, you, you figure out what works for your mood. Right, right, right. Now I have a, a last question before I let you go. And I, I'd love for you because you mentioned sure. that a lot of the kids at the beginning initially have one of the ways that this whole thing started was that um, kids would come to you with questions about what is the Jewish perspective on this? What is the Jewish view on suicide and uh, mental health? So I would love for you to give listeners a little bit of a picture and perspective of really how do we view all this from a Torah perspective? Ooh, this is my favorite question. It's also so hard for me. (laughs) As I think I'll answer by saying this, a lot of people who approach me with this question have a very um, skewed and misunderstood view of Torah's approach to mental health okay. and suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, mental health is a Jewish topic, period. To be, to be aware of your mental health and to be aware of people who are struggling is the Jewish way because we are meant to look out for each other, right? How many times in the Torah does it talk about the way people look out for one another? And not only that, but it says in, oh gosh, in the Talmud, I, I can't believe I don't remember where this quote is from, that he, oh, and he who saves the life saves the world. Mm-hmm. He, you save one life. What does that mean? Now that's obviously taken in the context of saving a neshama, right? Increasing a neshama's um, participation in, 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 the, in the Jewish approach, and that's saving a life, but it's also the physical saving a life. Sure. If you see someone drowning, you're going to pull them out of the water. For sure. They are an entire world. You save their life, you're saving an entire world, you're saving who they are, who they're going to be, the the things that they are able to offer the world because they are here. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, approaching these things is, is, this is everything that Judaism is about. It's about creating a healthy foundation for communication and and being there for one another and learning how to help ourselves so that we can help other people. Mm-hmm. You know, in Perke Avos, it says, where there is no man, strive to be the man. Yes. And I think if you think about the Jewish approach to the world, that's how we've always approached the world. Right. You see something that's missing, you're not waiting for some, no, no person that I know in the Jewish community ever waited for somebody else to do something. Mm-hmm. They see a need and they feel it. And this is the Jewish approach to living. Being aware of your friends, looking out for your fellow, knowing when to create boundaries. All of these things are very, very Jewish topics. Beautiful. Um, that, yeah, Beautiful. that's, you know, we're, we're taking the Jewish approach and making it available to everybody regardless of, of where they're at. Right, right, right. And bottom line, yeah, it is a Torah imperative for us to to take this seriously and to do it for others and for ourselves. Um, because if we we're here to serve, we're we're here, and 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 if something has been put in front of us, um, it's for us to do something about it. So, ladies, this is something serious and something important, and I think it could be really, really enriching for everybody out there. Now, Lee, I have a question for you. I have these wonderful JLP fill in the blanks that you did three years ago, and I'm wondering if you're up for doing it and doing them again. And I, I peeked into Absolutely. your answers from before, so I, I'm wondering what's changed. 
<laughs> change is I, okay. I, me too. I, I don't remember my answers. Let's see what. <laughs> let's see what's different in the last three years. Let's do it. Okay. Um, Lee Yaffe, and I feel most spiritual when cooking. That hasn't changed. That has not <laughs> changed. And I'll tell you, that's not one of mine. You know, talk about mental health. That's not where I'm going to gravitate. And I think I told you that last I'll tell time. You, actually, hold on. I'll change the answer. It's cooking, but also. Since becoming a mom, yeah. I think I feel most spiritual. You know, I, I try to daven with her a little bit every day. I mean, she's only four months old, but at the same nice. time, like, if I'm not teaching her now, when am I teaching her? Right. So, like, watching her learn things that have been so ingrained in my life since I was a kid mm-hmm. and watching her experience them for the first time, like, there's nothing more spiritual than that. Wow. What a great answer. It's beautiful. <laughs> Very nice. My favorite mitzvah or one I connect with the most is? Tzedakah. Yeah, that's what you said last time. <laughs> but it also changed because tzedakah is not only about giving charity, it's about tzedakah with your time. Right. And I think that tzedakah with my time has become a very different, that's the new context for the last three years. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is? Since Lagba Omer was yesterday, I'll say Lagba Omer in San Francisco when I was growing up. Hmm. Nice. You want me to tell you what you said last time? Yeah, what did I say? Very, <laughs> very similar. Simchas Torah at the shul, at the synagogue where your parents became observant growing up. Yeah, that's every every Jewish memory from when I was growing up, from where we became observant growing up is my favorite Jewish memory. <laughs> Something I wish I had learned about Judaism growing up is? That it's accessible and ex- to everyone and that it's open to everyone regardless of where they're at in their life great 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 very similar yeah so it's pretty much the same thing you said that it's not scary <laughs> <laughs> that it's not scary and that it's and that it's a warm beautiful thing and that that the boundaries of torah are the healthiest and the best way to learn how to be an individual that can contribute to society oh amen to that beautiful when i give tzedakah charity i'd like to give to these days it's mikvah.org and um karen simkhafkhaf and makala nice 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 and finally i'm leah fian today i'm most grateful for my husband and my daughter nice nice well leah i can't wait to get together in person one of these days finally Like, we need that big hug. <laughs> It's good Seriously. for us. May Hashem facilitate that very soon. And everybody should stay very healthy, very safe. Congratulations on the wonderful work that you're doing. We thank you thank so you. much for giving us these insights. And everybody, I encourage you to find, I mean, talk to us about where we can find more about Safe Talk or about the other virtual workshop or anything like that. Um, any resources that you have that you can share with us. Sure. So the virtual workshop that I'm facilitating right now, um, you can find that on Facebook and on Instagram at my handle. Okay. Um, yes. And other workshops that are all virtual include um, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention has a lot of really incredible ones. I'm mm-hmm. actually signed up to take a few myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you can never learn too much about this topic, I think. Also, and I don't know if this is available to the public yet, but I know that it's coming out soon. JLI is creating a curriculum on suicide prevention and mental health, which I think would be beneficial for everyone to learn. Um, so that's if you're looking for, if you're looking specifically for a Jewish base on mental health, then I, that's what I would recommend. But in terms of virtual workshops that you can find right now, the workshop that I run is called If You See Something, Say Something. Mm-hmm. And then the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention also has incredible incredible workshops that I highly recommend. Well, thank you. And everybody, you can find Lee on her Instagram and Facebook handle, which is at Lee Est. So that's L-E-I-G-H-E-S-T. Lee, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Elle. 
Thanks again to Lee Yaffe for stopping by. You can find her at gesherproject.com and Gesher is spelled G-E-S-H-E-R. So it's gesherproject.com forward slash safe talk to find out more about the upcoming virtual workshop. If you see something, say something and or to request a workshop for your community. And of course, check out the different resources that Lee mentioned before on the episode. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. Somebody recently asked me, I can't believe that you were mentioned. I can't believe that you still do this consistently almost every week after three, three and a half years almost. And I said, this is what I love to do. I love bringing these interviews to you. And uh, so COVID-19 or not, I'll try to continue being here for you. And again, if you were wondering about podcasting, yourselves then wonder no more head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash podcasting to get a free guide to get started with your podcast happy to offer that to you and if you can fill out the survey that would also be awesome again it's at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash survey i'm giving you a lot of homework sorry about that guys thank you again for being here i hope you enjoyed the show and i hope you have a lovely lovely week thanks for listening to jewish latin princess podcast if you enjoyed this episode Please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.